0: MageTalk is brought to you by Mojo Stratus. Stratus is true cloud auto-scaling technology for Magento. Built by industry leaders and cloud architects, Stratus is a revolution in cloud hosting. Magento 2? No problem. Holidays? Flash sales? No problem. 100% uptime or your money back. Give Stratus a try today, risk-free, and tell them MageTalk sent you. Check them out today at MageMojo.com That's M-A-G-E-M-O-J-O.com.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Commerce Hero, a better way to find a Magento developer for your next project or full-time hire. Hello, welcome to Mage Talk. I'm Kalen, and today I'm joined by Damien Ressinger. Damien, how are you doing, sir?
2: I'm doing great. It's a good day. Good day. That's awesome. We
1: had some uh, minor troubleshooting going on there with the video. But uh, we we figured it out at the end. <laughs> yeah, took a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh. So yeah. So we're gonna talk about a bunch of different stuff. PWA. Uh. You know, Daffodil, which is your, uh, project. Uh. Your your PWA solution, essentially framework on Angular. Mm-hmm. Um. And then you know we'll talk. Uh. You had a really insightful comment recently on one of my LinkedIn posts on um agency side development versus merchant side development. I want to dig into love to dig into remote work. Um, and yeah. some other things as well. You mentioned getting your first GitHub sponsor. So, yeah. um, and then, uh, yeah. And then you also mentioned you're pretty heavy into gaming, which I'm sure a lot of our audience is also into. I'm almost illiterate when it comes to gaming, <sighs> but, uh, <laughs> so we'll see if I can hold the conversation. Sure, um, but, uh, but yeah, man. So I don't know what. How do how are you feeling about the the state of Magento right now, as far as maybe specific to PWA, um, or you know, just kind of in general?
2: Uh, so Magento in general, uh. Kind of this the feeling that I get from the community right now, especially with the, the recent two four release, is that some people are a little bit agitated about uh the requirement for Elasticsearch. They're a little bit agitated about like the deprecation of 7.1 and 7.2. And even though that's or PHP seven one, PHP seven two, even though that's just deprecation of PHP naturally, mm-hmm. people in combination with the recent Magenta One kind of collapse, uh uh, there's a little bit of, of feeling in the community that things are you know a little bit broken.: No bueno.: uh, <laughs> Yeah, no bueno. not, not happy.
1: What not are your happy. thoughts on M1?: Because I think about as old as it is and as dead as it is, I, I, I still think about it all the time. I'm still fascinated by it, and I, I want to get everybody's take on it, you know.
2: Yeah, ask your question. Uh, so I started on M1, obviously. Uh, I started in 1.6. So, I started back in 2014 ish. Um, kind of I started my, on
1: 1.6.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But what, yeah. Yeah. Did I get the year right? I think it's 2014
1: around there. I right think ish. so. I think so. I always forget, you know, uh, I don't know when 1.3 came out or 1.4. You know, I'm always, you know, I was a little later than the game to the game than some of the OGs, you know. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah. One, you're sorry, you're
2: the the one funny thing that i mean just completely in relation to you i can still remember way back in the day looking at stack overflow posts from you nice. from nice. from back in the day and I, <laughs> I would i would happen to upon an issue that i was facing in m1 and i'd be like oh there's there's Kalen's there's post i know that nice. guy i know I've nice. heard that guy
1: yeah i'd have the same i'd have the same uh the same thing where Stack Overflow is so so magical in so many ways and and uh I wasn't super active but you know I got in there answered a few questions from time to time and um yeah when you see so the the wildest thing is when you google and find your own answer yeah. To a question. <laughs> that yeah. you like, completely forgot about that you answered answered like 3 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's I do always... that I do
2: that all the time. I don't really do it so much with GitHub or with uh, Stack Overflow, but I do it all the time with GitHub issues, especially in Angular core or in in various things that I've contributed to over the years. Do You contribute um, to the Angular core? Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, I tr- I've I've done uh so we can talk about that when we get into daffodil stuff, but yeah, I do I do a lot of stuff in the angular community and just in terms of like the cross sections that I work with, yeah, it's a lot of different layers.
1: You're a pretty technical dude. Like, um, Yeah. If you yeah. want to
2: talk about like <laughs> Kubernetes, I'm, I'm down. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. I, th-
1: I feel like every time we start talking about technical stuff, I'm like barely hanging on to the conversation, <laughs> but I'm, I'm doing the best I can. You know, I used to be a Magento developer day in and day out, you know, 40, 50 hours a week, you know, breathing it, eating and sleeping it. And I really haven't done actual Magento development for a while. I'm obviously still plugged into the community and stuff like that, but, uh, But yeah, I can tell you're like, (laughs) you're, you know, you're deep technically in all the things that you're working in and, um, anybody that creates their own PWA framework, you know, uh, there's a level of expertise needed there. And, um, I mean yeah let's let's jump into that so why uh well I'm assuming that you know you like angular because you you've you've worked with it I'm sure uh you know I'm assur- I'm sure there are lots of religious wars of uh, over you know angular versus react and everything else yeah. and maybe it's the same story it's like it's what you like you you know there's probably things you feel it does better or whatever but like why like what's your pitch like why angular
2: Sure. So I'll go into why we why I picked Angular for the very first time, and the honest truth is that I worked at an agency and they had to build an Angular site for a client, so I learned Angular, and that's that's always the reason. That's, that's always it. the
1: reason. Yeah.
2: Uh, the right that. around that same time, um, Vue was kind of picking up in the Laravel community, and React was uh, still had the licensing problems that people were worried about from Facebook, so it wasn't as you know. omnipotent or omnipresent i guess Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of how i got into angular Uh, but then when we started daffodil uh in 2017 or 18 i can't remember when anymore um it all started to just make sense that we picked angular over react so uh I don't know how much you know about daffodil, but I'm going to assume you know nothing. Yeah, um, Or that. PWAs. I've, I know, we had, conversa- you know yeah, we had a conversation.
1: Yeah, we had a quick conversation about it back in New York. Was that two years ago or three years ago? Yeah, now?
2: 2018, October.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, And then I took a quick look at the site. But yeah, assume that I'm a complete idiot. And you'll be very right. close to the truth with, with that assumption. So,
2: <laughs> one of the maybe the most obvious things with things like PWAs, if you get into it at all, is that you're going to have to make HTTP requests over to some service to retrieve information. Right. Because you've decoupled your front end from your back end. Right. Um, and if you look at like Vue Storefront or if you look at PWA yep. Studio, uh, yeah. These have a middleware. So for yeah. view storefront, it's the Elasticsearch or MongoDB instance or whatever it is. I think it's Elasticsearch uh, that stores kind of like the the the, the view storefront version of whatever a product is. Got it. Uh, same thing with um, Venia and PWA Studio. You have Upward, which stores. Which where it is doesn't really store, wild. but it's a proxy. Yeah. yeah. It's this middleware. Yeah. It's this entire middleware layer. Yeah. So I thought to myself. No middleware. You know, No middleware. I hate it. I hate additional software. I hate adding infrastructure where I don't need it. So I thought to myself, what if we could just do all the transformations in the browser, and what if there was no complex like infrastructure cost? So the idea was, well, uh, with driver software, especially if you're doing the browser, there's a small probability that you're going to end up with all of the drivers for all of the various services that you happen to be integrating with in the browser and which means the client that you actually deliver to the customer is this huge JavaScript bundle, right? It's massive. Mm-hmm. Um, Angular has tree shakable services. So we were actually able to, when we, when we do driver builds, we can actually tree shake out all of the, the code that you don't use in your bundle. So you actually don't get like, if for example, I'll, I'll give a simple com- the tree
1: shake is that just is that are we just talking about compiling down the JavaScript yeah. bundle so that you're just getting what you're use what you need, what you're actually yeah. gonna use? Exactly.
2: Yeah. So you only you use a very, very thin amount of code. You don't actually get this whole big bundle of of various platform specific transformation code. You just get the transformations that you use. And on top of that, Angular has lazy loading and all, almost all frameworks have this. So you can not only tree shake, you can also lazy load. So you're actual app that you provide to your customer is very very thin and all that happens in browsers so your infrastructure cost is lower and then you don't have to worry about this caching middleware thing in your infrastructure that could mm-hmm. break you get all of this and then on top of that the idea is we wanted to really lower the barrier to entry into magento because gotcha. the the kind of the driving factor Setting behind that
1: is 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 like i remember reading the upward like either the spec or some of the code or the concept of it. And I was a little lost. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm a good example. Like I'm a good example of somebody that is uh, not the like smartest developer in the universe. Right. Which you, you probably want to design, like you're saying, you want to design for somebody that isn't Linus Torvalds, you know, like that can like make sense of your project and stuff like that.
2: Right. So the idea was, what if we can lower the barrier to entry? And the kind of the driving goal behind that lowering was that, you know, uh, some of our clients, uh, they want to do cool things, but they have limited budgets. And if you have to have a Magento expert do everything from front end to back end, that's going to be really expensive. Like honestly, I'm just gonna be frank. That's like expensive. So we thought, what if we could lower that barrier to entry so that for a uh, for uh someone who's maybe more junior, someone who can do front end, but not necessarily know the entirety of of Magento, they can do they can just work on front end and have literally no knowledge about Magento at all. Yeah. That's what we were shooting for.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the dream. That's the PWA dream. <laughs>
2: yeah. So on top of that, so one of the cool things uh, is that the, so View Storefront, for example, supports multiple platforms, right? You don't just have to use Magento. You can use Shopware or you can yeah. use uh, PIM Core or yeah. a variety of different softwares. Um, whereas I believe PWA Studio only currently integra- inter- integrates with Magento at the moment I as, so. far as, as far as I'm aware. So you probably don't work with PWA Studio much. Uh, I actually have a pretty open line of communication with James Etlin. Oh cool. We, nice. we we chat pretty nice. frequently. And if yeah, you don't a... know James, he's the kind of the guy behind. I know James, yeah. I don't know yeah. I don't know who you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah but, we've had yeah, him on so the we, podcast
1: he, and then actually it was interesting. He just tweeted um yesterday in response to something that uh we had said on a recent uh podcast that Willem uh, de Groot had talked about how content security policy is mm-hmm. sort of dead, uh, in the sense that like he, you know, he's always scanning sites for his security scanning, and he found that some wildly small percentage of people had their content security policy configured the right way. So they had an interesting conversation about it. And James posted yesterday, "You're not on Twitter." That's the thing. I noticed that. I, I don't. I don't I use you, it. Yeah, I found you on there. You do have an account, but you don't really use it. You gotta yeah. get on
2: Twitter. Twitter's fun.
1: Uh, there's a cool Magento community there.
2: Um, if you, do you know? Do you know Dan, Daniel Sloof? Yes. Um, yeah. So he he gripes at me all the time about how I don't use social media all yeah. the
1: time. Yeah. Well, you're on LinkedIn. I mean, you're 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 getting yeah. in on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, Daniel Sloof is awesome. Like he'll post literally like every few months. But he'll just drop he'll drop something impressive like every time, like I remember he's like he's like, "Oh, here's an open source version of uh uh checkout for Magento Two or something like that, and he'll just drop mm. like nuggets, you know yeah um, but uh anyway, I completely – lot but anyway so so there was an interesting conversation around content security policy um but uh but yeah, so you're saying you have a good line of communication with James.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, uh I don't use PWA Studio a lot. Actually, I hardly look at it, uh to be perfectly honest. But when we come across a weak point of Magento GraphQL APIs or we come across something that we're like, I think to myself, I wonder if PWA Studio solved this. Um I typically will reach out to James and say, "What did you guys do?" Yeah. And uh, on a fair number of occasions, he didn't know it was a problem yeah, until okay. I brought it up. And then <laughs> uh they know it's a problem now. Yeah, <laughs> So a good. simple example was there's no GraphQL API for refreshing a customer's token. So once you're logged in, you have 24 hours to do whatever you're going to do. And if you happen to come back the next day, you will be you're logged uh, immediately out. logged out wow. after, after a certain amount of time. So, for example, if you come with like one minute remaining on your token, there's no refreshing. Right. You're just logged out.
1: That's why Yeah, I recently had to build a, uh, uh, a token refresh for my Google Auth you know, in my Laravel app. And uh, I was like, uh, is this thing going to work? It was pretty straightforward. But yeah, I mean, you got you to gotta have that. Like,
2: You're right. So it's a weak point have... of, of Magento 2, and he hadn't realized it, and we came across it because we're like, we want to do authentication. We'd like customers to log in, please. We, we want their account information. We want them to have a nice user experience. <laughs> we want them
1: to stay logged in. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. That's so, cool. That's cool. Um, little things. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think I have a little bit of a picture of sort of, you know, like why Angular. I, I was curious on Daffodil. Um, is it in, do you got sites in production? Like, like what kind of
2: <laughs> yeah, scale?
1: So,
2: yeah, yeah. So at the moment, we really have one client who's using it as a beta. It's, it's currently their beta site. Um, so they have customers and a small number of customers utilizing it and we're building it out from there. Um, but they've, they've been a fantastic client for us. Um, because first of all, it's like a long term, it's a longstanding client of, of ours. Um, so they have a lot of faith in us and they've been really open to the whole process. So, you know, they're, they're from time to time when we're working at Daphne, we'll realize, man, we did something terribly, horribly wrong. Um, it it doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. Um, and they've been super understanding. And if you're a software developer and you don't
1: occasionally do something terribly, horribly wrong, you're lying to yourself.
2: (laughs) So, so they've been, they've been really, really open to helping us like, you know, they're like, Oh yeah, that's a problem. So you guys fix it, get through it and come back to our project and we'll, we'll continue along. Um, so that's that's been a really nice process. But yeah, it's it's really only one site that's kind of in beta at the moment. Um really our focus at this point is getting up to guest checkout. Um so we have guest checkout pretty much well understood at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. so the whole various so we have product type support, so all the different Magento product types, bundled, configurable, grouped, and simple. Um we have, I mean, obviously category support. Uh, we actually have some little features which are limited in Magento, but Daffodil exposes an API which, if you wanted to supplement them, you could. So, for example, like menus. Right now, there's no concept of a menuing system in Magento, um, but we do provide like one menu, which is like the category tree. But if you had a completely separate system with a completely different menuing system, you could go retrieve whatever menu in whatever format and plug it in and it okay. would work.
1: That's cool. Yeah,
2: yeah. What is uh, the
1: name? What, what's the source of the name, by the way, daffodil?
2: That's a good question. Uh, so the the long and short of of daffodil's existence, for my own personal interest, is that uh, my mother shops online a lot, and she complains constantly. <laughs> uh, so I thought, what if I could make online shopping easier in any fashion? Uh and she really likes daffodils, so I, I picked a flower. And that's beautiful, I be man. That's, beautiful. Yeah.
1: that's really cool. Yeah. Um that's really cool. I love that. Is it you know it's it's interesting. I was talking to somebody about a product name and it was like named after like their grandmother. Um uh you know who had passed away and they had a really great relationship with and stuff so that's that's really cool. Um and so is it is it, it's open source is is it mm-hmm. a uh do you have a commercial version
2: of it? Is it pure open source? Pure open source. For the love yep. of the game. Yep. We're here. Yeah. We're here. Well the the whole idea is that we're trying to make e-commerce better and we're trying to make it easier to use. I don't quite care about the money. I've actually had a number of conversations with interested clients who almost uniformly say what do you get out of it? Right. It's, it's open source. It's free. What do you get out of it? And I say, honestly, nothing at the moment. Maybe one day. But right now, we're just trying to make e-commerce better because honestly, from a front end perspective, not just from a not just from a customer side, but from a developer side, it's awful. It's so painful. Yeah. Like Magento 1. I, if I have to look at another layout XML file for the rest of my life, oh, I don't <laughs> want to touch it. I don't want to see it.
1: Yeah, oh. yeah 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 it's, it's pretty rough um i'm a bit of a Vue fanboy, um and i use it you know Vue is kind of big in the laravel ecosystem which is what my app is written in um and uh you know i like it it's simple i haven't really messed with Vue storefront at all but i love the team over there philip and the rest of them are always doing cool stuff and um I uh, yeah, I'm sure you could have a real deep technical conversation on you know Vue versus Angular and things like that which we don't need to get into but I'm a little bit of a Vue fanboy.
2: Oh yeah, Evan Evan did a really uh really really great job Evan you. Yeah. Fantastic framework. Absolutely wonderful framework. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very good. Yeah, I yeah. actually had a he he did presentation at Laracon in 2017 or 2018. Mm-hmm. I went to Laracon mm-hmm one year in, in Louisville nice. and he did a presentation there along with Adam Watham nice. Taylor Atwell, and a number of other characters in the scene. Um, but yeah, he, he, he did a really good job. He's, he, first of all, the, the code itself is great. Um, yeah. But the fact that he single-handedly maintains it, that's what well, it's not only him, but a large chunk of it is pretty him. much. It's, yeah. It's, it's pretty awesome. It's that guy's pretty... a, a hoss.
1: Yeah. Wait, a hoss. What's a hoss. Is that like a
2: gaming term? Uh, I think I guess I don't know honestly. Just, I've used that term for fifteen twenty years. I have no idea where it came from. What I think is it's a, H H it like A A S. Is it like is
1: it like a boss? Is it just like they're just? A,
2: yeah, it's a similar similar <laughs> word. It's used similarly. It's I don't right. actually know its definition.
1: Okay, <laughs> I'm learning new things. I've learned Haas and tree shaking. It's the first time I've yeah. ever heard the term tree shaking.
2: Tree shaking. Um, get, all the, get, all the, get all the nuts and trees and branches and things you don't need out of there. Right. Don't want them.
1: Um, cool, man. So, um, I don't know, was there anything else as far as PWA goes that you wanted to to, to talk about, get off your chest, rant about? Um, uh,
2: uh not, not specifically. I did see... Um, there's a former core dev. His name is Yev. I can't pronounce his name. Core Magento um, dev. Yeah, he's he no, he's no longer there. He actually started doing like a software as a service style Magento called Magneto. Okay. Or uh, he works on it. He's a co- co-founder of it. I can't remember his name at the moment. I think I know um, who you're
1: talking about. Yeah. But he he flames yes, Magento constantly. Oh. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I know who you're talking about.
2: Yes. Yeah. Uh, I can't uh, remember his name, unfortunately. Um, I'll find But him. he did bring up a really good point uh, the other day about how people don't – even though you're doing a PWA, you can still make a bad PWA. Right? You can make – you can write bad code. I can write a, a piece of JavaScript code that goes into an infinite loop and consumes all the CPU in your browser. I can do that. Um, so having a PWA doesn't necessarily make your application fast. But having developers who know what they're doing, making the PWA, gives you an opportunity for a better experience, right? You're not yeah. guaranteed a better experience, but you have the opportunity to have some. I think it's or Ye- Yehor Shidakov. Yes. Sh- yeah. I don't. I think so. Yeah. 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 yeah, I, 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 yeah. I believe that's correct. But he brought yeah. up. Um, he brought up a, a comment on perceived technical performance. Lead at
1: man, technical lead at Magneto.
2: The cool Yeah. Logo. Yeah um he brought up a concept called perceived performance that i saw and it's just about uh i mean if you don't know what perceived performance is it's the idea that when you load a, a screen uh it looks even though it might not be fully loaded it looks like it's loading you you get an idea that something's happening yep. so if you're familiar with the concept of like ghost states or uh uh they're called i don't is know that with, like the that.
1: layout there's like the layout yeah a sort of little like out. gray bar yeah, yeah, it yeah, looks yeah. kind of yeah. it feels
2: it feels faster that way yeah it feels faster um most pwas don't do that now we That's don't surprising. have that built into daffodil because daffodil is this hybrid layer between your the way it looks and how it works uh it's this middle layer um but so if you wanted the, to do that so what's
1: the front end layer you're saying you're what's you said that it's a layer between how it looks so what's what's on the front of daffodil as far as yeah, the presentation so we have, layer we have
2: what we call the daffodil design library it's simply an npm package um, which is a set of components it's a component kit that we have designed a certain way that we use on a, a bunch of various sites, but you don't have to use the component kit. You can use your own. So for example, for this particular client that we're working with, we entirely wrote their own component kit and it's awesome. Um, Nice. And it's, it's super, I mean, I can't put in enough words how awesome I think that component kit is. Um, Nice. But yeah, we we don't dictate what your front end looks like and we don't want to. Um, We want you to, you know, it's, it's, it's your business. It's your brand. You write it. You you make it look the way you do what you want it to do. We can provide some utilities and material actually so angular has a if you don't know angular has material material design design framework yeah Yeah. so uh, there's a material library for angular and they have something called the cdk which is the component development kit and Mm. it makes building component kits much easier Mm. um but you can utilize things from daffodil you can utilize things from material you can utilize things from the cdk to make your ui look like whatever you want it to be but to get to your original point things that i want to gripe about with pwa uh I think that people will, unfortunately, say that PWA is a kind of silver bullet, and it's not. It's, a, it's an opportunity. You have, to, you, you have to take advantage of the opportunity and do it right. You can't just write code and it'll just work. And it just doesn't work for anything.
0: Let's face it, Magento can be a beast to run in the cloud. And that's why Stratus by MageMojo is hosting Evolved. Say goodbye to dedicated DevOps teams and complex cloud architecture. With Stratus, you get a rock-solid architecture that's built on Amazon AWS and true cloud auto-scale. Never worry about capacity planning ever again. With the full power of AWS that's behind your site. Backed by Magento cloud architecture geniuses at MageMojo on technologies like ECS, Kubernetes, Aurora, and also a 15-minute SLA that's the fastest in the entire industry, you can be sure that your site is in good hands with stratus give it a try today and we know you won't be disappointed head over to mage MageTalk and get started that's m-a-g-e-m-o-j-o.com slash mage thanks again to mage mojo for the continued support of mage talk we can talk
2: about ninja more if you'd like Yeah. Um, Oh, do you want to talk about
1: that, dude? I think that's insane. Sure. So Ninja is like the the the, probably the most popular gamer in the world. I'd imagine. Uh, Again, I'm not a huge gamer guy, but I know about him vaguely. And you were saying that you used to play with him back in the day.
2: Yeah. So, uh, my, my hobby, my, my side passion is video games. Um, and it's put me into some interesting kind of situations where I meet people that I otherwise wouldn't, you know, otherwise wouldn't meet. So Tyler, Tyler, uh, is, is one of them. Um, so way back in the day when I was in high school, I played Halo like constantly. I would get home from, you know, sports practice and I would, I would play Halo and I would play from like 6 PM until 1 am every single day. Uh, and I got pretty good and I got pretty competitive. So I started going to tournaments and things. Um, and kind of, if you, once you get to a certain level, you start playing with the same people over and over and over again. Um, and I got good enough that I was playing with a bunch of people in the scene, one of which was, was Tyler or Ninja. Um, and yeah, I've, I've had, you know, various, I haven't actually had deep conversations with him. Um, but I have had over the years, various conversations with him over, over game chat. Way back in the day, in yeah, Halo
1: three. Cool. <laughs> That's yeah. so cool. I mean, it's crazy how big gaming has gotten, and it's like this huge business. And mm-hmm. um, you know, it's also a lot when you think about COVID and things like that. You think about businesses that are kind of COVID friendly, right? Like a lot of mm-hmm. e commerce, you know, is, and of course, gaming is much more sort of COVID friendly, right? Than like real sports. And I think that um. What's it called? You know, the uh uh professional gaming where they watch um uh, professional games and stuff like that, professional gamers.
2: Yeah. What's the like, word? It's
1: like esports. Esports, thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> esports, I had no idea is this massive uh industry and massively
2: growing, you know, fat, rapidly growing industry. Um yeah to that to that point i will shout out uh icebound esports is the the team that i'm currently associated with i actually play for a professional esports team really yeah icebound esports is a starcraft team that i play for
1: dude that's amazing yeah so so do you get paid like
2: i don't i don't at the moment Uh, there are players on the team who do get paid i'm not like near that level i'm i'm like one notch down so i don't get paid dude so how
1: Many hours a day do the guys that are at the top of the game like that? How many hours a day are they playing?
2: Uh, I can speak for specifically StarCraft. Like Halo is a little bit different, um, but I'll talk about StarCraft a little bit. Right. Uh, so StarCraft, uh, the the best player in the world right now, or kind of considered to be the best player in the world, is a uh, Finnish player. His name is Cyril. Um serol I believe, is is reported as saying he plays four hours a day. But he watches StarCraft a lot, eight hours a day. Okay, so he's he's StarCraft focused almost his entire day, and he is incredible to say the least. He is an incredible StarCraft player. Um, comparatively, if you kind of compare StarCraft to chess, he's he's the equivalent of Magnus Carlsen almost. Wow, Just, who's the best chess player in the world? Yeah, 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 equivalent. That's insane, almost. dude. He's 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 ridiculous. Yeah.
1: And then, yeah. He, did you also want to mention the thing about Toby that you had mentioned?
2: Yeah. So if you if, if people who don't know StarCraft or don't know Shopify, uh, so Toby Lutke is the CEO of, of Shopify, and he provides an in, in an inordinate amount of funding to the StarCraft community. He actually funds several major tournaments. Uh, he actually has hired. Uh, uh starcraft players because they're good at starcraft um so, <laughs> so there was there cool. was a starcraft player named Select uh who was looking for a job after grad- graduating with a CS degree and Toby reached out was like hey come with the Shopify <laughs> i know you're awesome. a really good starcraft player so, that's so cool yeah you know it's
1: interesting i i, I i'm so like fascinated by Toby and uh, impressed by him on so many levels and it's like coming from the Magento community there's this like natural sort of animosity with the Shopify world at least for me um and it took me some time to kind of get over that and um i'm really kind of interested in learning more about the Shopify world and things like that and it's like there's something there's something uniquely powerful about a founder led company just period mm-hmm. like and hopefully everything you know goes well with Magento under Adobe and things like that but there's just something irreplaceable about having the founder lead the company um and and stick around to keep the original vision and he's just such a cool guy like when i heard you say that i was like not even surprised like he's just like mm-hmm. that just seems like the guy and i didn't know he was really into games or whatever starcraft but that just seems like the kind of cool thing he would do just because he's like you know the cool guy yeah you know, and, yeah. and, and like a like, he seems like a real like hacker at heart, like just a real like. Obviously, he has a ton of business expertise and is the CEO. But like, like I've heard him on a couple of podcasts recently, and he's just like, yeah, he's just like real down to earth kind of a guy. You know, mm-hmm. um, you got some. You tra- <laughs> look like you're. Tra-
2: to, those the cameras being silly, so I had to tap <laughs> on it. Got to tap on it sometimes. It's
1: always, it's always something. It's yeah. always something with the damn equipment. Welcome
2: to software. Nothing ever works, <laughs> Nothing. and you better hope it does sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: um, on the um, let's see here, we have um, the remote work stuff, and then the agency side versus merchant side stuff. Mm-hmm. Why don't we talk about remote work? Because this is something I've sure. been wanting to, to get into. How, how, um, how long have you been working remotely yourself?
2: 2016, end of 2016. Yeah, dude, so I four, you, four. I thought years. you were going to
1: say 20 years, and I was like, whoa. No, no, <laughs> I've been remote working since I was five.
2: Today's actually my birthday. I'm 28. Really? Yeah. Holy
1: yeah. crap, dude. Happy birthday. Yeah.
2: Thank you. That's awesome. Um, man. So completely, completely unexpected. But you know, well, not, yeah. the, the birthday is unexpected. The podcast is not unexpected. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's cool, yeah, man. Uh, Four years, four years ish now, just okay. about.
1: Yeah, some of the people I know that have been doing it the longest are maybe like, maybe like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years. Like they're real veterans. I think mm-hmm. I've been doing it for like eight, something like that. Um. Anyways, so um. I have this whole list of questions but I hate just reading off of questions. I mean basically what I want to get into with it is like um what do you what do you love about remote work? What do you what do you not love about it? Like obviously everybody is sort of working remote now to some extent. It's kind of gone mainstream like overnight. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, what do I love? I love the freedom to wear my pajamas all day. I mean nobody talks about that, but the fact that like I get to wear whatever I want. I don't have to like wear collared shirt, whatever. I can just hop on a meeting and, and I can have like a shirt on and I can have pajamas underneath. Nobody knows. Yeah. Uh, so I like that. Uh, I like the, the, the comfort life. Um, so uh, the funny
1: thing is I was a hundred percent like team pajama t-shirt forever. Obviously I'm wearing a collared shirt now, mm-hmm. which is, which is, which is a little awkward. But, um, the funny thing is, dude, I found these shirts and they are so comfortable. And I was like, you know, I think I'm going to step up from the from you know, to wear more of these polo shirts and they're super comfy, So now I'm always wearing a polo shirt, like some kind of a business, you know, douche. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I agree with you completely on that, you know?
2: Yeah. It's, so it's I I, li- I like that. Um, it's a pleasant thing. It's like a little thing. It's not like, you know, oh, my day is only about wearing pajamas. Um, it's but just it's cool to thing. be
1: comfortable. It's just cool to be able to work and to focus on the work mm-hmm. um, and to not have to focus on all the, you know, all the um, kind of theater of work of like, what mm-hmm. do you wear? And are you sitting at your desk? And are you paying attention at meetings? And, you know. All the stuff that isn't actually getting work done and you can just Mm kind of focus on the work, you know? Yeah.
2: So I'll talk about that a little bit and kind of how I think that affects culture. So uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this. I own an agency or like I'm the founder of my company. Yeah, I wanted, um, to, I wanted to have you explain that a little yeah, bit. So, yeah. so my company is called Um I'm the founder. I'm the sole owner. Uh, it's actually only five of us. It's a pretty small team. And all of us are developers or all of us are technical. So there's no project managers, no support staff. It's just us. Um, I love that. Yeah, I love that so model. Yeah. It's... It's fantastic. We play video games together on Twitch on Thursdays at six o'clock. Um, so. I was
1: talking to um, I don't know if you know Ricardo Tempesta. He has an agency out in Italy. He was like a Magento I, master, yeah. really cool guy. I was talking to him last week. Same deal. They also playing video games together um, mm-hmm. as a team. You know, I think that's super cool.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a nice little thing to do. Um, but one of the things that I noticed the most is like. There's no concept of... First, I don't know if this is because we're all developers, but there's no office politics. It doesn't exist. There's right. no who's better than who. Jimmy and Susie are fighting over in the corner. It's just it's not a thing. Um And I don't know if that's a, a side effect of remote work or the fact that we're all technical. But uh, I think because... Probably a combination. Yeah. I, I think because we... We all are working towards the same goal. like we all work on daffodil pretty much all day every day. Um, there's, all, there's a very strong camaraderie where like if someone doesn't understand something, they'll help the other person out. If uh, someone needs help with something they'll help the other person out, and there's no concept of like, oh, it's six, six o'clock." So uh, I'm located in Ohio. Um, one of my team members is in New York. another team member is in Texas, and that's the farthest kind of they are a part, but there uh, was what a part period of time where are they in? Uh, currently in Austin. Nice. Yeah, I'm about a yeah. half hour north of Austin. Yeah. They just moved up from Denton, actually. So oh, okay. right outside Dallas. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, and that's another... We can talk about that one, too, with remote work. The fact that you can live with that wherever, that's really huge. And I think for long-term societal things, I think that's going to be a really big driving force because you can work in a low... Cost area mm-hmm. and have a job that is really kind of irrelevant to the cost of your area.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: That's yeah, it's going
1: to be fascinating to see how you know. And this has been the case now for probably a good five to 10 years, maybe five years. It's really been the case within like for developers, I would say. Um, but it, you know, it's going mainstream to another degree, right? Where mm-hmm. I think it's going to ch- sort of change the. F- The shape of a lot of these, like call it like tier two or tier three cities. Um, Yeah, I was. I had this thought the other day. Like tier one cities are going to become tier one point two five cities, and tier two cities are going to (laughs) become tier one point seven five. Like it's really going to kind of flatten out in some ways. I think.
2: Um, Yeah, I think I think cities like New York, like New York City, will continue to exist, but I think the, the the really mid tier cities will maybe dissipate a little so it gets a little bit smaller their population will drop off that's my opinion Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. and then when you think about is it called starlink you know the satellite internet deal that Elon Musk is doing that because internet is really pretty rough in rural areas I mean when you talk Mm. like I'm in a suburban area but when you talk about even further into like more rural areas and there's all sorts of like Techy people that have like, like like have their own little farm or their own little ranch. Like it's, mm-hmm. I, I thought about doing that as well. And um, you know, it's funny how internet is kind of one of the big things that's a snag. You know, so when that changes, like it's it's gonna be real interesting. Um, you know, to see how that affects. Yeah, I'm all, I'm like all
2: for the ranch in the middle of nowhere, assuming I have good internet. Like I'm fine yeah, exactly. with that. Like if I have like exactly. 500 acres of forest between me and the next person, I'm yeah. fine. Let's go. Right.
1: Right. And that's like <laughs> almost the deciding factor, like kind of half joking, but kind of not half joking. Like the internet is like, you also want to be close to things. Like I started looking into it and it's like, well she, like if i have to drive 20 minutes to get to the grocery store like that's one thing if i have to drive 40 minutes to get to the grocery store all of a sudden i'm like Ugh, yeah that's kind of a drive you know yeah um so yeah there's obviously infrastructure things as well but
2: yeah um, so i'll talk a little bit about kind of remote work and how it kind of exists at graycore so uh so the three kind of main benefits to 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 working at graycore cuz we are a startup um Remote work, obviously, Uh, we offer unlimited PTO and we also offer flexible work hours. So, like, uh, one of my employees is Taiwanese American and goes to Taiwan once a year for two and a half months. Mm. So, when she's in Taiwan, she works from 10 p.m. our time. To 10 a.m. our time and that can be a little bit of a challenge um, but because we have flexible work hours it aff- she's a very very in terms of what she does she's very very good at her job um, and it affords her the ability to do really what she wants to do uh, and from my perspective as a business owner um, I get really high quality work and there's this, there's this kind of a trade-off of, yeah, I don't feel, I, I don't really feel the need to have control over what she does in her day-to-day in terms of like, you must work from 9am to 5pm. Um, so there's this trade-off of, of trust. And I think that just from a, you know, a kind of an owner, an owner employee perspective or a kind of manager employee perspective, it's a really, really good thing. Like I don't I really feel like is, any of my employees. Trust is absolutely everything.
1: Like people talk about, well, Time zone. I want them in the right time zone. I want them to be the right seniority level. I want them to communicate it. It's all trust. It all comes back to trust. If the trust is there, they could be anywhere because mm-hmm. you know that if they couldn't, if they were in a place where they were unable to get work done, they'd be, they'd tell you about it. They'd be honest mm-hmm. about it. Right. So it's like, and how do you build trust for somebody that – for companies that aren't used to this and haven't, don't get it, you know, and it doesn't make sense to them intuitively? I think that's a, that's a tricky problem to solve, you know? Yeah.
2: And I'm – I mean, honestly, I'm very surprised at, you know, that Google has taken all of their employees and said, you guys can to work remotely for, for the foreseeable future. <gasps> um, that's a leap that's of faith. That's
1: a huge deal, yeah. Because remember Yahoo – was it Yahoo that did the exact opposite a few years back? Um, I believe it was. Uh, yeah, I believe it was Marissa Meyer from Google who became the CEO of uh, Yahoo. And I'm pretty sure it was there. They, uh, you know, they had some flexible re- policy on remote work and they were like eh. everybody back into the
2: office. Um, you know. <laughs> that's such a mistake. Such a mistake. Not only like that's, that's so much overhead. There's so much overhead associated with having an office. I mean, we're all remote. We're all in different states. Yeah. I don't have an office. Like yeah. my office is my house. Yeah. Eventually, we may have a small office, but I don't plan on it. Like yeah. having like a, everybody come in and be here. Yeah. It's do you so guys so inefficient.
1: Do things to get together on some kind of a like a yearly thing, any anything like that to try to get together in person at
2: all. Uh, so the first thing we kind of all did, and back then there was only three of us, and there are now five, um, we went to um, Meet Magento New York City. So um, oh, nice. we came out and we happened to present a thing at the hackathon. Um, and that wasn't really, the, the intent wasn't to go to the hackathon, the intent was to go to a conference. Just hang out uh, together and stuff. And hang out together.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great uh, way but to But last year we, we didn't do
2: anything, um, unfortunately. Uh, and this year has kind of been shot for that, for that goal.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the video dropped out for a second there. Um, what, so what is your, uh, what does your schedule look like? Um, just in terms of like when you're working, how you're, um, you know, how you're, uh, getting, you know, mixing up, mixing things up as far as when you're focusing, when you're working, when you're communicating with clients, when you're doing personal stuff in order to not be constantly, um, overloaded with work and stuff like that. I I'm, I'm big into schedules. I love learning about, you know, like the little details of people's schedules, you know?
2: Sure. So, um, I am very lucky in that my wife is very regimented extraordinarily so so, uh, so you're it's the almost opposite. Like, <laughs> yeah i'm i am I am so far the opposite um, gotcha. that my employees give me grief about it right um <laughs> but yeah, so I wake up at uh right about eight fifty every day okay I, I I get a cup of coffee and I have a small spot of breakfast, and then I really just start working i work until noon uh noon to about twelve thirty eat lunch um and then twelve thirty to three it's kind of like another hard work session, and then right around three thirty, I start to like my my mind kind of starts to melt. Um, the afternoons so are gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't like staring at code after three thirty is nigh impossible. Like yeah, yeah. I just can't. Um, yeah. So sometimes what I'll do is I'll take a break, um, or I'll get on a call with somebody, or if I don't really have anything to talk about with a bunch of people, I'll actually stop and I'll play a game of StarCraft, um, just. Take some time to to kind of to decompress a little, and then usually around four thirty, I'll pick it back up and kind of go until around six thirty, six maybe six six thirty seven, somewhere in there. Yeah, eat dinner. Yeah, yeah. That's d- a d- pretty. Day.
1: That's a pretty full. That's a pretty full schedule, you know, and especially if you're doing a lot of coding. Like it was interesting how. Uh, you were talking about how you know the those gamers at the top of their game only play for four hours a day. I think I heard somebody say once, as a general rule, um, uh, software developers really only have like about four hours of actual producing productive coding time in them. Um, and uh, you're probably a bit above that average, you know?
2: Yeah, staring like staring at RabbitMQ or like message queuing things all day—it's it, painful. Like you, like holding an asynchronous system just in your mind. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's ho- it's so hard.
1: Yeah, yeah. So
2: yeah, it really yeah is. it's just difficult.
1: I have um, I have uh, my schedule. I do some coding in the mornings. Um, really for pro. Well, I do some Twitter, <laughs> and I'm starting to really kind of carve out that 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 Twitter time so that it's not just like randomly doing it throughout the day, but it's kind of focused. I kind of have a system to it. And I Uh I respond to my mentions, DMs, and then I go in and I'm really like learning stuff in the feed. It's not just like nonsense or whatever. Anyways, um, and then I'll do some coding. um, Really probably only like more like two hours. um, Yeah. And then anyways, um, yeah. And then I find that in the afternoons – I really like having a conversation. Like, I've been starting to do that more often, whether it's a podcast or just a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I find that in the afternoons, it's a good time for that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, kind of get into a different mode.
2: Um, yeah, like, you, like I can still think about code, but in terms of like putting, Hands to keyboard, I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. So why bother? Yeah. I'd rather just talk it out and have a conversation with one of my engineers say, hey, this is what we need to talk about. Like, this is a problem that you've been facing. I can help you out and we can solve it and we can pair on it together and get it solved.
1: Yeah. Do you do a lot of uh, pair?
2: Uh, oh, a lot of, a lot of pairing? time. Okay. All the time. I'd pair at least two or three hours a day. Nice. At
1: That's least. really cool. Yeah. I was always fascinated by, is it extreme programming? The name yeah, that's of where the it comes methodology from. Methodology yeah. where you basically do everything, all your work as a pair. And I don't know how many people do that in practice, but maybe you're pairing. Uh, I mean, that's that's interesting that you do that much together.
2: Um, yeah, uh, test writing is typically kind of when it comes out. So let's say, like a lot, a lot of the times. Um, and you're big into TDD, all- right? Yeah, 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 huge, okay. huge. Okay. Now my yeah. employees will say that I suck at it, uh, but that's a different <laughs> problem. Um, like, a lot of the times, I will, I will kind of like just kind of spitball out code of an idea, and then I'll say, "All right, I really don't have time to focus on this thing. Like, there's something else that's pressing, so I'll hand it off to somebody, yeah. and they'll take it from there." Yeah. Um, but my my really. My personal strength is just the ability to take a problem, deconstruct it, and then especially when we get into the nitty-gritty details, like iron out, okay, this, 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 and um, deconstruct it into something that's approachable and then functionally um, take it into something that can be coded. That's really where my strength lies. Mm-hmm. So... uh I, I don't want to go into too technical detail, um, but if you've ever heard the concepts of contravariance and covariance um, no <laughs> those are those are terms in language design that apply to specific scenarios when you're considering extensibility around a particular piece of code okay um, and uh i happened upon a couple of problems that are related to it in in daffodil core code and this is what ended up being one of our major mistakes um we had to basically reinvent the wheel around it um and we wouldn't have caught it so i I happened to be looking at a particular subsystem and i we wouldn't have caught it unless i got in there and really thought hard about it um but then once I had deconstructed it, I said, "Okay, well, you know, this is the problem. This is the scope of the problem. This is like we actually, when we when we find problems, we basically write up formal mathematical proofs. So this is kind of interesting. Um, That's so intense. We, yeah. So <laughs> this, I'm I'm a math major, so like this is I kind was of what I'm major." Made.
1: Oh yeah. Good. Yeah. You wouldn't, you Good. wouldn't know that cause I've forgotten <laughs> all of it, but I was like pretty heavy into math, you know, abstract uh-huh. algebra and you know, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 So my, my specialty was encryption. Um, okay. but, but, uh, we, we write basically formal yeah. math- mathematical proofs about like the system in question. So if, especially when we're talking about contravariance and covariance, we're talking about really technical language specific or language oriented things, which dictate how a program should or should not be designed. Um, And this was a particular instance where we could basically write a literal math proof saying that, you know, this code cannot function as a result of this behavior. So it was really about extensibility around, like, uh, if you're a developer and you have, like, a product in Daffodil, there are limitations to, like, how you can add attributes, like, your custom attributes on top of the DAF product as a result of contravariance and covariance. Mm. Um, We had to write a whole generic system around uh, different things in Daffodil in order to enable people to extend upon Daffodil behaviors. Um, but yeah, technical shenanigans. I don't want to go too far deep in that. <laughs> that's why meant... that's like, it's, that's its own. That's literally its own Ted talk. Yeah. That does
1: sound like a Ted talk. I've never heard anything close to that in my life that the idea of creating mathematical proofs related to how you're building software. Um,
2: Especially when you talk about like front end code, nobody talks about it. No. Um, No, we're, we're super niche, super niche.
1: I mean, in some ways, a unit test is a mathematical proof. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So a lot of the times we have like this formal proofing system and we will translate that exactly into test, like one-to-one. Okay. And then we're done. That actually
1: makes it sound very, um, like very normal, like in the sense that. A unit test sort of is a
2: mathematical proof. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's 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 proof the software anyway, does what you anticipate.
1: Yeah. So anyway, you got to you got to do a blog post on that at some point, and I'll uh, I'll sit there and try to wrap my head around it. Sure. Um <laughs> But uh, anyway, we're we're sort of at our time here. Um, anything as far as remote work that um, you you know you you wanted to mention, or really really anything at all, you know. I know we didn't touch on your first GitHub sponsor yet. That's pretty exciting.
2: Yeah, Um, that was a lot of the GitHub sponsors I get are from people in the Magento community who like I'll hop on a call. Like if if I'm in the Magento community Slack, I'll literally hop on a call with someone who has a question because I know where they are. I've been there before. Yeah. And I say, I can help you get through this exact situation. (laughs) That's cool, Um, man. So I'll hop on a call with them and that usually leads to a sponsorship, which is really, really a a really good feeling. Yeah. Um, But. Yeah. I don't really, I don't really have much else to say. I'm, I mean, Go I can man. sit here and talk for years. Yeah,
1: but. no, we'll have to do another one of these, uh, soon to, to get into more stuff. I had a, I had a great time, um, chatting and, um, so where, uh, where can people find you online?
2: Yeah. So, uh, Probably the best place if you ever want to get in touch with me is GitHub. Uh, surprisingly enough, uh, I basically respond to everything in GitHub almost instantly except for pull requests from my engineers. Um, that gets <laughs> enough hate. Uh, but now that or Slack. So I'm, I'm in a bunch of different Slack channels, um, at Damien Web Dev if you, need to do that um in terms of twitter there's at great uh there's at daffodil pwa if you want to kind of be more specific to what you want to talk about um but yeah
1: that's it cool man well thanks again it was a lot of fun and uh thanks everybody for tuning in and we'll see you next week